Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Delving Into Business. My name is Pranay Singare. And I'm Rashab Zidamshetty. And this is our first episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, this podcast aims to educate marksmen and you know students across the country um, in high school about topics in business, um, you know, financial terms, and just you know, up and coming business news. So let's get right into it. Uh, Rashab, take it away. All right, guys. So right now, the format for every podcast will be that we will have two stocks that we analyze and say whether they're a buy or a sell. Uh, then we go over one financial term, one major business development that's currently going on and how it's influenced the market. And then we interview one person in the real financial world. So for today, our two stocks are MongoDB and Teladoc. So in a world where digital technology and artificial intelligence is the heart of every global organization, it can sometimes be really tough to organize and utilize information. That is where the company MongoDB steps in. According to MongoDB, they are a document-oriented database that places an emphasis on scalability and flexibility. Basically, uh, MongoDB is a computer service program that allows users to store, retrieve, and manage, manage document-oriented information. A lot of document-oriented databases are very fragmented and horizontal. So a need for, mo- for a modern database has given MongoDB the opportunity to win. And it has done just that, serving on the forefront of all vertical markets. According to The Motley Fool, MongoDB helps clients build applications five times faster while cutting costs by 70%. That's something that every company in the world needs, giving MongoDB a lot of potential clients. MongoDB also has been very active by recently acquiring a new tool called MongoDB Atlas. As for The Motley Fool, Atlas accounts for 73% of total revenue and is still on the rise for the considerable future. The total addressable market, or TAM for short, for this industry that MongoDB is a part of is $73 billion. And with no actual competitors in its vertical market, it is built to succeed and it is built for the future. As of the day that this podcast was recorded, MongoDB has a current market price of $357.01. As for the quarterly results, they show a lot of growth and it will continue to grow with its new platform in a relatively new industry. With a market value of $22.6 billion and a revenue of $641.7 million, there is a lot of promise for this company in the up and coming future. Just for some context, if you bought the stock a year ago, you would have seen an overall 77% overall growth by now. Next, we have Teladoc. Many people in the world fall sick today and have trouble finding a doctor. This problem is solved by primarily Teladoc. Teladoc is a telemedicine and virtual healthcare company stationed in many countries around the world. They have a global market and they have a lot of promise for the future. Teladoc essentially pairs you up with a doctor through a user-friendly software system. You can set up an appointment within 60 minutes of you getting sick. Because COVID-19 has ravaged the entire world for such a long time, Teladoc has had unreal growth. According to The Motley Fool, U.S. paid memberships grew from 41% year over year to 51.8 million people. Teladoc makes its money primarily through a subscription-based system, so this is very good news for them. For Teladoc, there's a U.S. market opportunity of over $250 billion. As you know, and as I mentioned previously, 
Teladoc already has its foot in many countries around the world. So imagine what the number will grow to once more and more countries stop to start to adopt this amazing platform. Last year, the U.S. healthcare spending was about $3.8 trillion. So there's a lot of promise and a lot of opportunity for Teladoc to take over. Teladoc experienced a 151% revenue growth and a full year guidance to $2 billion. Now let's compare the quarter one of 2018 to the quarter one of 2021. In quarter one, 2018, Teladoc experienced a revenue of about $280 million. Whereas in 2021, they've made over $1.4 billion. That's a CAGR of 70%, which is unheard of and breaks multiple records in an industry like this. Now let's move on to some important financials courtesy of wallmine.com. First off, Teladoc has a market cap of, of $23.05 billion and with the revenue quarter over quarter growth of 150.93%. Finally, they have a revenue year over year growth of 125.72% and a revenue of $1.367 billion. That leads almost anyone in their industry and they have a lot to show for the future. Now we're going to move back to Pernay, who's, who's, who's going to explain our financial term of the podcast. Thank you, Rashab, for those you know quick rundowns of two promising stocks that I'm sure our listeners will appreciate. Like we mentioned earlier, this podcast aims to educate uh, high school students about business, and what better way than to have a financial term accompany each episode. Um, this episode, we actually have two financial terms, monetary and fiscal policy. These are the two regulators of the economy and are extremely important in how our government um, controls the economy. Monetary policy is essentially broken up into three main factors. Um, reserve requirements, which is essentially how much a bank has to hold. Discount rate, which is the interest rate that the Federal Reserve charges banks. And open market operations, which is usually the buying and selling of government securities. These three different tools basically aim at regulating the cash in the system and thus you know, regulating inflation and the economy. Monetary policy is uh, exclusively reserved for the federal bank. Now you may be wondering, what does the president, what does the Senate, what do they do? They uh, participate in fiscal policy. That is essentially the collective term for the taxing and spending actions of the government of the United States, where they want to cut or increase taxes or decrease or increase spending to stimulate the economy. That is essentially fiscal policy. These two levers are essentially the main regulators of the economy and together have a great influence over the nation, its business and its consumers. Now we're going to pivot into more current major business impacts. Um, recently, Google has been sued by the Department of Justice and 36 states um, for Play Store abuses. They say it's overcharging customers. They're also being sued by the Department of Justice over antitrust laws. And that's essentially saying that Google owns too much of the market in terms of ad space online. And the government is starting to get concerned about these big tech companies that seem to be dominating the market and pushing out competition. Uh, this concern was a big part of Biden's campaign. States have also claimed that Google has been working with Facebook and in an illegal agreement to manipulate online options over ad space. However, Google claims that other companies like Amazon, Comcast Corp, and Facebook, as mentioned before, are also in the market and should be targeted as well. This lawsuit aims to enforce Biden's effort to promote competition across the economy and will prove that Biden has taken his campaign promises seriously. 
a lot of this information came from Bloomberg. So we would like to uh, explicitly say that they were a key factor in as a resource. As I mentioned before, every podcast episode, we will conduct an interview with one person involved in the financial world. Today, our interview is with Mr. Gallagher. Mr. Gallagher is an alumni of St. Mark's that graduated in 2016 and is a member of the 12-year club. He did his undergrad degree in finance at SMU and then pursued his master's of science and finance right after undergrad. He started trading and investing in 2018. He worked for Wells Fargo Advisors until 2021, where he generated investment ideas, analyzed financial statements, and tracked derivative portfolios. He currently works at Peregrine Investments, a family office, where he performs in-depth research and analysis on public companies. What's up? Can y'all hear me? Yes. Hello, Mr. Gallagher. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, so this one, oh, oh yeah, no problem. I was going to say, um, just so you know, like, if this mic, I've heard that it's bad sometimes. If it starts messing up, let me know. Okay. Out. Everything's everything's perfect right now. So we'll let you know. Hey, Mr. Gallagher. What's up, Michelle? Not much. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. So, yeah, this is basically um, Rashab came to me with an idea about a podcast um, to kind of grow financial awareness and financial literacy in the St. Mark's community, obviously, because we don't have many classes geared towards business. We're still more in the kind of standard curriculum, math, science, English. You got your foreign language, maybe. And then if you want like a bit of variation, you can take maybe computer science, but that's as far as it goes. Um, So we wanted to take it upon ourselves to kind of prove and, and, and introduce to Marksman the, the fascinating world of business. And we were going to do that with the podcast series, which you are our first guest. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday oh, afternoon. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we've uh, formulated a few questions. Um, Rashab, just going to get started off. They're pretty low ball questions, kind of get people under understanding um, what's you know, so interesting about the finance world. Rashab, take it away. All right, Mr. Gallagher. Um, so in your own words, can you explain what exactly the stock market is? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you say that's a lowball question because that's like a really hard question to put into terms that everybody is on the same page with. Um, so I, I think a good way to think about it is it's a place where companies can go to get financing um, through offering up ownership of their own company. Um because normally people can go and say, hey, I want to take out a loan for my business. Um, the, another method of that is through equity financing, which is effectively what the stock market is. Um, so you get your equity financing and then the public now has access to own a portion of your business and that part can get traded willy nilly, however you want it. Um, but it's a, that's actually a very hard question. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I think that's a good like base level kind of description of that awesome thank you um i understand yeah there's there's probably a lot of intricacy in that question but you know thank you for kind of keeping it simple and making sure people can kind of wrap their head around that um in terms of you know your personal journey and your career um what exactly got you interested in investing what kind of was that spark and and when did it really happen yeah so it was me losing a ton of money um so what happened was back in like 2018, I was getting my undergrad finance degree at SMU 
And I think everybody kind of just goes, so a lot of people go to business school because they don't really know what they want to do. And they say, hey, this is probably like a good thing to start with. Um, and uh -huh. so I was at an internship and I started investing, you know, the money I made that summer in 2018. And I didn't have a clue how to look at a company. So I was just like, oh, what are people talking about? Let me buy something. And I bought into a biotech company called Veristim and it was trading for like 10 bucks or something at the time. And everybody was like, oh, once their thing gets approved, it'll shoot up to like a hundred dollars or whatever. So I put like 2000 bucks in that and a few other companies. And I checked my account like a week later and I had less than a thousand dollars. And I was like, okay, what happened here? This doesn't seem right. Um, so that company utterly tanked. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is the worst thing to happen to me. I had 2000 bucks and it just got sliced in half. Um, so I kind of, from that moment on vowed to myself, like, I am never going to lose money on something again. Like I did not like that feeling. And it was partially because I did, I went into it not understanding anything about it. Um, so from that moment on, I got really into investing and the stock market and kind of started figuring it out from there. But it was basically just me losing a ton of money that got me started. <laughs> yeah, that must've been, uh. Well, it's been kind of difficult to deal with at first, but um, yeah, now I've come so far. And um, you mentioned before that you work at Paragon Investments. Now. So what exactly do you do there and what is your, what is the company's goal sort of? Yeah. So there I am an investment analyst. Um, basically I'm given companies that I cover and I just go super in depth on them, understand how they work from top to bottom, um, understand their financials, understand what their growth outlook is, kind of see where they fit in what industry they're in um, and then go from there in terms of like, should we buy it? Should we not buy it? Like, how should we play with this name? Um, and basically my, my goal personally with the company is just learn as much as I can. I mean, I'm 23, so I'm still young. And even though I might be good at what I do, um, you can never, <laughs> you can never stop learning. Um, so my goal at least is to learn a lot with them. Um, and I'm sure their goal is to have good investments that make them a good return. But yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for that answer. Uh, in terms of just kind of a follow-up question, um, obviously in terms of trading and, you know, being an, an analyst, I understand that experience is obviously a big part of the business world and that, that's probably the greatest teacher when it comes to doing anything really in life. Um, you know, they say practice makes perfect and experiences goes hand in hand with that. But outside of those values, what qualities, you know, make up a good trader? What, what do you need to kind of ensure that you're successful most of the time? Obviously you can't be successful hundred percent of the time, but what, you know, quantifies you as a good trader? Yeah. Um, that's another tough one. You know, you said low balls and a lot of tough questions. Um, so I think it's important. I think this is going to, every time you say this, you're going to hear this answer from somebody that's like, well, there's a difference between being an investor and a trader. Um, and that really just comes down to whether you care about price or value. Um, but in terms of like, I'll, I'll talk about both because they're really the same thing. People just like making that distinction. Um, in terms of trading, just like knowing to cut losses quickly, um, knowing not to sit in something and just like let it die 
because you don't want to lose money on it. Like just admit you're wrong, cut it, take the loss, move on to something else, put the money where it'll work. Um, another thing is kind of like taking emotion out of it. I think that tie, kind of ties into letting an investment die a little bit is like, you can't let your feelings kind of get wrapped up in something. Like if you, if you are the biggest fan of Amazon and Amazon is going down, like that's not helpful to you at all. You kind of have to take your emotions out of the game and just think about it in terms of, is this good? Is this bad? Um, and then I guess in terms of investing, oh man, in terms of investing for the long term, I would say like, I guess understanding the future, you know, like that's probably, <laughs> that's tough. Um, but kind of understand like the current environment, understand what things can probably pop up, pop up in the next few years and just being ever aware of those like headwinds or things that can come up and kind of know how to work around it. So I'd say just like environmental awareness makes sense. Um, but yeah, there's, I think those are three things that are super important. Um, obviously a lot of people are going to say many different things if you ask this question to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, those are three for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if trading and investing do seem somewhat similar to each other. And as you know, we've had the COVID pandemic, um, ravaging through the United States and the entire world for the past almost year and a half. So with COVID being a large global problem, how do you think the stock market has reacted to it? And what do you expect our new normal is now and for the short future? Yeah, so I think that, well, obviously, initially, I think everybody knows how that turned out, um, the market response to the COVID pandemic. Um, I think that what it boils down to is like, we just didn't understand it. Like, I think a lot of people had a hard time quantifying it, had a hard time understanding it. It was kind of like flying blind because you didn't have data, but you know, this thing is happening and you don't know how to think about it or how to analyze it. Um, and so I think that once things got a little better in terms of everybody understanding what's going on um, and we had data to start looking at in terms of like case counts and everything that people got a little more comfortable with it. Um, Obviously, it's still a horrible thing, but I think people were more comfortable, like, in terms of not being scared. Um, and I think that was the first hit of that. Um, and I think now we're getting into a phase of something we've seen happen before and something like the second wave with Delta, something that could continue. Um, I think people are more equipped um, this time to kind of handle that. So I think that investor reactions in terms of like the stock market obviously were terrible at first, but I think it was more of an understanding thing. And I think now that people know how it's going, um, we have things that we can look at and finally get a grip on how things are going, you know. Thank you for that response. Um, I mean, that's kind of something that's been on everyone's mind, obviously. Um, I wouldn't same financially it's been on everyone's mind but obviously you know st mark's has kind of been in the midst mix of you know covid pandemic putting kids back to school so it's obviously something we have to consider but obviously you know that financial relation will help people probably understand how this is affecting you know all parts of life and stuff like that so thank you 
Um, our next question is, uh, how does monetary policy influence the stock market? And, is the, and does monetary have any you know, difference between fiscal or do they kind of have the same sway when it comes to stock prices and, and, the, and the market? Yeah, so um, this is the hardest question you've asked me so far, um, for sure. Uh, so I think like, so recently, obviously, the whole emphasis is on like tapering and taper talk with the Fed. Um, in terms of, so I guess it probably helps to describe a little bit what tapering is. Um, so tapering is, so, okay, start over. Quantitative easing um, is effectively the Federal Reserve or Central Bank um, saying like, hey, we're going to start buying assets in the open market to increase the money supply. Um, and hopefully that will either dampen inflation um, or whatever they're targeting, they will kind of like outlay that at the start. Um, tapering is when you start to cut back how much you're buying on the open market with, I guess, the end goal of getting closer to zero. Um, so recently, the Fed taper talk um, has been a thing uh, going to Jackson Hole. Um, so like if you pulled up a chart of the S&P 500 and you pulled up five minute candles of that, like you could probably point out exactly where um, Jerome Powell said that they weren't going to start tapering anytime soon uh, because the market just ripped off of that. And so uh, the way to think about that is that when we start to taper, um, that's going to kick up yields and that's going to affect the stock market in terms of like, if you're looking at cost of capital, that's going to go up because yields are going up. Um, so that's going to, I guess, decrease equity prices slightly. Um, so a lot of people are kind of focused on tapering right now, but in terms of just monetary policy effect on the market, like it's huge, like, um, many small decisions, I would say don't have as much of an effect, but I think that quantitative easing tapering and just general rate talk, um, in terms of the U S government 10 year yield is like super important to the market. Thank you for that. Um, so for our next question, I was wondering, how exactly do you go about investing? So what exactly do you look for when you're evaluating a stock? Um, any, do you use technical analysis or what exactly do you do? Yeah, so um, I know we've talked about this before, Rashad, but I'm glad you brought up the technical analysis part. Because um, so if when y'all go to college, if you pursue a business degree, every teacher you're going to encounter for the most part is going to say that technical analysis does not work. Technical analysis being the study of charts. Um, I think that's not true. I think it does have a play in it. And I think it's an important part of my investing process at least. Um, but also fundamentals are super important. So my personal investing process is I look for companies that have growth. Um, so that can mean either revenue growth, EBITDA growth, um, or net income slash EPS growth, um, depending on like what stage of profit profitability that company's at, right? Um, you wanna see they're growing. Um, you, you might hear the word deceleration, um, which means like, hey, they grew 50% last year. They're growing 45% this year. They're probably gonna grow 40% this year. So they're still growing, but it's slowing, right? Um, right. So an important thing is growth at any level that you're looking at. Um, so an important part of my process is getting a good understanding of like 
what the company's growth potential is at whatever line you're looking at on that income statement. Um, I'd say another thing is definitely making sure that the balance sheet of the company is strong. Um, and what I mean by that is just like, everybody says like, look for a healthy balance sheet. And that's like, well, what does that even mean? Um, so things I look at are like, does the company actually have a cash balance that can like <laughs> finance capital expenditures and like increasing the company's PP&E, so property plan equipment? Um, does the company have a massive debt load? Like, does the company have a negative equity account on their balance sheet? Um, there's a lot of things you can look at. I typically look at, hey, is that company's cash balance super low? Because if it is, then I'm going to get scared, especially if they have a huge debt balance. Um, so I typically look at growth, that. And then another huge thing um, with, I guess, my investment process is what are people's actual expectations of the company? Um, and I think that's where you make the real money is saying, hey, I have a better understanding of this company than most people. And I understand what the potential outcomes are greater than other people. So I can play this name better than someone else can. Um, so I think that knowing what people are looking at in terms of metrics and understanding, like you might not think that's an important metric, but other people do. So now I have to care about it. Um, that's important is just awareness of what people's expectations are. And then knowing that if you really dig into it, you can probably have a better understanding than most people do. Um, so that was a lot, <laughs> but that's kind of my investing process. Um, and if you want to ask anything about like any particular part of what I said, feel free. Cause I kind of just rambled for three minutes, but yeah. So I actually had a question kind of, um, I know this is kind of zigzagging through, but uh, related to the previous question about monetary policy somewhat. Um, obviously with, you know, the invention of the internet media and, and news have been kind of flooding different opinions, different viewpoints, different perspectives have been flooding the internet and people have to now, you know, discern from multiple sources and kind of get their own understanding. Um, obviously the stock market, some of it is built off of expectation. Um, I don't want to say speculation, but it's, it's some, you know, there's some kind of variability, obviously in the stock market, nothing is ever for certain or for sure. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, even if the Fed talks like, hey, we have no intention of tapering without doing an action, people, you know, people take that and, and just run with it. And, you know, the stock market sees an effect. So how intertwined do you think the stock market and politics are with each other? And, and do you think politics has more of a say in the stock market than, you know, reading a balance sheet or reading a company's expense report, stuff like that. Um, which one do you think has a bigger sway in determining, you know, the bearish or bullish attitude towards the stock market? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So I think that I would say for massive headlines that just in terms of like political influence on the market, like massive headlines, like I would say that there's not much variability because it, I think it's rare that you see a massive headline that is completely false or that yeah. is like somewhat untrue or an opinion. Um, so in terms of that, like, I guess headline risk is a piece of the stock market that I think most people generally are aware of and kind of, I, I hate saying this, but like price into the market a bit. Um, 
I think general political influence on the market is, I wish it wasn't as heavy as it is, but it's kind of high sometimes. Um, and that would, I, I mean, like talk about infrastructure bill, like if that goes through, then stocks that are affected by that will start to go up most likely. Um, so there is political influence on the market for sure. Um, I think it depends on what the general like slate is for politics in any given period and what people are thinking about. Um, but in terms of like individual stocks, I think politics play like a smaller role for sure. But in terms of the broad market, it's definitely a big piece of it and you have to be aware of it. Um, and I wish it didn't affect it as much, but it does, you know, that's just part of it. Yeah. Uh, those, those, uh, thank you. Yeah, I'll um, so to wrap up our uh, conversation for today, what advice do you have for high schoolers who are interested in pursuing investments now and for the future? Yeah, the answer to that is start it right now. Like go, go do it immediately. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing that I wish I had got into a lot earlier. It's a thing that I think pe some people are scared of um, because you're putting your money on the line. Right. Um, I think you have to start now. Um, I think it's important to start super early. And I mean, all of your parents probably say that too. So I feel like an old man, but um, I think especially at this stage, you know, a lot of people say like buy an ETF and then hold it and then just keep putting money in every time you get it. And then it'll eventually grow. I think I have sort of a, opposite opinion of that. I think that because you have so much time right now, and I guess I don't want to say that you don't know as much about the market as you can, but like you're definitely earlier in that learning phase. I think that it, you have the time to like pick a company, dig into it, think about the world and where you think it's going to go in 10 years and like try and, I don't know, like learn from picking a stock and like seeing how it goes, you know? Um, I think a lot of people are scared of that process. I think a lot of people don't know how to do that process. I think you just have to do that process once. And if you decide that, hey, I hate this or I'm not good at it, or just generally like this is boring, then buy an ETF or buy a mutual fund. But I think that being in the market is important. Um, I would say not to worry super hard about like timing the market. You know, I think that's a big thing of like trading stocks in general is like, oh, I want to wait till like this happens or I'm going to buy like at yeah. this level, like every, everybody does, everybody wants to buy it at that level. <laughs> so um, I think the thing is like, odds are if you put money in a stock now, it, and <laughs> I'm not cursing the market now to tank, but like odds are it might be higher in a few years if you're doing it correctly. Um but I think that's where it comes in, like picking a company that you actually can get behind and you're actually comfortable with um, and you like. Um, and I think another thing of investing when you're young is like be comfortable, like start getting comfortable with being wrong. Like you're going to be wrong a lot and you're going to be wrong way more than you think you are. So you learn way more when you're wrong than when you're right. Um, so get comfortable being wrong and start to learn from it. And if finance is something that you're really into and investing is something that's really what you're into, then you're probably going to be better for it in like three, four years than you would from just like being 
right on Tesla going to a thousand, you know, you might have more money, but <laughs> you won't have learned as much. So yeah, I think that's, that's important for young people. For sure. Well, that was, that was very insightful. I hope our listeners found that as helpful as we did. Mr. Gallagher, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon to meet with us. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, this, this is hopefully the start of something great. Hopefully you can look back and say you were the, the first guest, the, the Cavalier here. Yeah, um, it blows up, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your time. Um, that was really all, all we had. Again, can't express our gratitude. Um, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, no problem. And thank you all so much. And I look forward thank to it. I actually, I actually just read The Lion's Share. Um, oh. So I want to see more of that coming out. But Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. I look forward to see what y'all can do. It'll be exciting. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. No problem, y'all. See y'all. Well, that wraps up our first episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We really hope that you appreciated uh, all the hard work that's gone in. I would like to thank Rashab for his tireless work on the stocks. And I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Hope to see you guys in our next episode. Thank you guys for listening.